1: Well, hello there, and welcome to the show. I hope you are ready to revel in wrong think, because that's exactly what we have ahead of us. My friend Gary Welch, political consultant and wrong thinker extraordinaire, joins me. Hi, Gary. Hey, Brian, and what a time to be a wrong thinker. It's the best time to be a wrong thinker. Which is not the there same thing is. as saying that everything's comfortable and going just swimmingly. It's just, if we ever needed people to question you know the narratives around us this would be that time you know one of the things that i always talk about when i'm and when i'm talking to people about
2: being a wrong thinker it is just that wrong think as you and i have described that is is so logical so reasonable and has such good outcomes that i really feel like everybody should be a wrong thinker the status quo thinking that's going on right now is just it's on the verge of being insane. It really, it's just like, we've gone beyond stupid. We've gone beyond idiotic. We are now into the realms of you guys are mad and insane and you have no, no thinking going on in with what you're doing and the wrong thinkers were coming out there and providing this reasonable, logical, well thought out ideas, man, everybody should be a wrong thinker right now.
1: Well, we've got some great topics to to cover today, and and I think COVID. We've been you know we, for a year now. We've been dealing with the lockdowns, and uh, this seems like as as good a place as any to start. And Gary, as I think back over the last year, the thing that has rattled me the most hasn't been the virus itself. It hasn't been oh how many people have died from it. You know the all the disruption. The thing that that shakes me the hardest is the realization that uh, I have been living my life among more latent authoritarians than I ever thought possible. And and I'm not trying to be mean about this. I'm just saying people cling to that authoritarian mindset in a way and and in larger numbers than I ever would have dreamed possible. Tell me about your experience. As you look back over the last year, I know we've learned a lot, but are are there any uh, profound realizations that you've had as a result of what we've been through? Not for
2: myself, but I feel like the realizations that I have made have been what uh, others have not grasped. So from the very beginning, when you and I have first started talking about this issue, I brought up that we are not going to be popular arguing against COVID, that there's going to be this strong push for this. And we have to give it time. We have to let it run its course in time people will see that we were right the numbers will prove themselves and even if the data is backing you up even if the information is backing you up we are dealing with something that is making people afraid and and history has shown over and over again human behavior has shown over and over again that we when we are afraid we turn to authoritative figures we 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 att- we turn to those in a power and authority to take over we give up our freedoms we give up our rights we give up everything because we are afraid and that fear of death says well that's more important than my freedom to not wear a mask or my freedom to stand as close to somebody as as i want or my freedom to gather as many people together as i want if this thing's going to kill me then well yes i'm willing to give that up and so we do that but when that when the fear goes away as soon as it's gone then we start to question, then we start pushing back and, you know, we feel the weight of the change and we we argue with that. And honestly, Brian, even a year later, I still don't think we are there yet. I think wrong thinkers are still on the wrong
1: side of the status quo. Okay. No, I, I would agree. I would agree. As evidenced by the fact that there are still um, people in authority who are still trying to maintain, oh, no, no, We shouldn't be lifting these things. We should be, you know, doubling down and doing them even harder. Uh, I don't know if you saw the president's remarks. I believe it was yesterday. Uh, What did you think when Joe Biden is talking about you mayors and you governors that have lifted these mask mandates? Put them back. You've taken them down. Put them. This is not politics. This is common sense. This is why we had such a bad COVID. you know, originally, because we didn't do the right thing. And I think. Who does he think he's talking to? Does he really believe that we don't remember, you know, how this all unfolded? And yet he's advocating for no. We need to be doing more. Um, and, and to me, it just sounds like it, it. It sounds like please shut up and do what you're told. That's how it sounds in my ears. Yeah, an enlightened elite approach. I
2: we we have talked about this a lot as far as our government officials. They really do see themselves as smarter better you know more powerful and we are the sheep that they have to to herd and it's not even so much that they're looking at it from a standpoint of they want to protect us like the good sheep herder it's just more of i can so i will and i like that power and i like that ability but they really do believe that i'm smarter than you i know better than you And what I'm telling you is for your own good, um, because if it if if it wasn't, I would have I wouldn't have never thought of it. There is that mentality. I mean, it is really strong in our politicians. I, I have met very few of them. I mean, like really very few of them that do not hold that mentality.
1: Well, and it it would be one thing if they could back up what they were saying with hard data and facts showing, look, guys, Brian, Gary, I understand you guys don't like a lot of these lockdown mandates or anything, but, you know, here's the data that bears out why this is necessary, Uh, but they can't. And in fact, you know, if you remember back on March 6th, uh, Texas opened the state up 100 percent in the words of Governor Greg Abbott. And so roughly three weeks ago and change Texas opened up, Mississippi opened up, Florida's been open for a while. You know, according to the logic of the lockdowners, um, all of these states should be seeing drastically bad outcomes because they prematurely, you know, stepped away from from what people in authority were telling them. But but that's not what they're seeing. In fact, uh, you know, uh, the, the main difference that you're going to see between them and states that still have, you know, the, the mandates is... The infection rates are, are roughly the same. There's certainly no worse in these states that lifted the mandates. But you know what? Uh, you know where these uh, these states that lifted the mandates are absolutely shining? Their unemployment. Their yes. unemployment is like it's like a third of what it is in the states that still have those hard lockdowns.
2: And that is part of the deception side of things is, again, we, notice they're not talking about deaths now. They're talking about infections. And they are projecting and predicting large infection rates. They're not saying they are happening. They're just saying it's going to happen. Not now. It's not happening now, but it's going to happen because it just takes a little time for this to happen. And as long as the boogeyman is under the bed and and out in the bushes and out in the woods – Then we've got control because you can't see the boogeyman. You don't know where he's at. We could just point and say, there he is. He's out there. He's
1: out there. You need us here to help you. No, that's that's a good point. And uh, who was it? I can't remember her name, but she's one of the again, top national health officials talking about how I have a sense of impending doom. Yes. And it's like, wow, well, that's precise and clinical. I mean, any scientist knows exactly you know what you're saying. They could quantify that. No, that's just I mean, that's that's fear mongering. Cloaked in authority, which, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of this last year. Um, anyway, I, I'm not happy with with what I see in in the sense that it looks like there could very well be a national mandate being uh, being implemented sometime here in the near future. And and we're seeing this in other countries right now. My daughter lives in Germany. Germany is still locking down hard. You know, other places in, in Europe, they're they're locked down as hard as they can be. And and yet everybody seems to be ignoring the fact that it doesn't slow the spread of the virus. The virus will ebb and flow just like a virus will do. You know, the warmer weather right? seems to take it down. We saw this last year, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how to break through that fog of, of officialdom that says, no, 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 you still have to do it, because I tell you everywhere I go, and you probably see this too, um, people are still very, very um, conditioned to put those masks on and and still suspicious of, of people who won't.
2: Yeah, the mindset that says I don't want the facts to get in the way of my decisions is, is pretty prevalent in that world.
1: What was it Rush Limbaugh used to say? This was, this was the dismissal that, uh, that uh, I believe a politician used to give, and it's something along the lines of, the facts, while interesting, are totally irrelevant to this matter. <laughs> okay. Well, then. Right. What, what, what then should we base the discussion on? I don't know. We've got to take a break. Gary Welch is my guest. We will, uh, we've will. got a couple other things to talk about that uh, I know have been on your mind as well. And they include uh, the push for gun control. Something bad happened with a gun? Yep. Yeah, they're pushing hard for this one. And we have a lot more to cover, which we'll do just the other side of these messages. Please stay with us.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. Gary Welch is my guest. And we are definitely engaging in wrong think today. But this is the right kind of wrong think, right? I don't know, Gary. How do do you convince people? Wrong think is actually it's a very uh, it's a virtuous thing to do in a time such as the one that we live in.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you, you, the status quo and and how everyone else is thinking is absolutely the the wrong type of thinking. Yeah, that's a hard one, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Well, and, and the problem is there are, there are people in authority who have have hitched themselves to an agenda. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruffle a couple of feathers with this one here. Um, doctors. You know, remember the trust the science. Well, if a doctor says it, you better believe it's true. Look, I love doctors. And when something's going wrong, if my ticker starts acting up, you better believe I'm going to go see a doctor. But uh, there's a great uh, I, I saw this great illustration of what science versus pseudoscience looks like. And I want to just walk you through this flowchart real quick. Science okay. starts with, you ask a question. Then you do background research. You conduct a hypothesis, test with an experiment, and based on whether the procedure is working, if no, then you troubleshoot the procedure, carefully check all sets and setups. If the answer is yes, you analyze data and draw conclusions. If the results align with your hypothesis, you communicate the results. If the results don't align Even if they don't totally align with the hypothesis, then experimental data becomes the basis for a new future project. You ask new questions, you form a new hypothesis, you run the experiment again. Here's how pseudoscience works. Do not dare or want to ask questions. You then conduct a model based on preconceived ideas, find data that will fit that model, discard any data that doesn't align with that model, and repeat the the mantra, trust the experts over and over again. I think it's a pretty good delineation between science versus pseudoscience. What do you think?
2: And there's where, because you were saying that. And the first thing that came to my mind was like, Brian, uh, in today's world, there is no difference. There, There is no science. Nobody is doing good science. Everyone is participating in pseudoscience. We are just seeing that over and over again. They have totally abandoned the scientific method, and have adopted a agenda-based science. And it's gotten to the points where they're in when when they go to universities and whatnot to get their degrees in science and to learn to become the the chemists and the epidemiologists and the doctors and whatnot. They're being told and taught this is your methodology.
1: Yep. And if and if it doesn't allow for the asking of questions or discourages the asking of questions, that should be your first indication you're not dealing with real science. You won't you won't hear legitimate scientists go around thumping their chest and saying the science is settled. There may be some things that they feel pretty safe in committing to, but uh, for the most part, it's all about, you know, you question you continue to to figure out what's going on. Why do I bring this up? Because. Well, when Dr. Fauci, <laughs> notice I use doctor, uh, when Dr. Fauci offers an opinion, there are a lot of people who treat it like it's, you know, a, a papal, you know, pronouncement, encyclical. You know, it, it's it's like it's almost it almost takes on a religious overtone. And and I don't make that comparison lightly because I don't want to tread on people's religion. But the, the covid science in quotation marks really has the hallmarks of a religion in how vigorously people cling to it how how utterly disgusted they are with heretics and you know desire to you know destroy them you deniers it's pretty crazy stuff
2: so one of the a recent article that i just read that was really revealing was that they were talking about in colleges now when they are talking to these scientists and these 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 um Professors and things like that, these people that are coming up with this these positions of of authority within the science community, that they talk about social outcomes. And, And here's the dilemma that they they go to them with. Is it better to use science to get a better social outcome so people will change and do things than to tell the truth? And if you're working on that mantra that, well, you, we're, we, it's better even if we falsify the data and falsify the information, but use this to get people to do the quote unquote right thing. Then then that makes science what, what that's what science is all about. And, you know, you talk about Fauci of uh, here's a guy, you know, he's coming out now basically trashing Trump and nobody's questioning okay then that means while trump was president and you were working for him that means you were trying to sabotage him you were ap- actively posed against him as you were working for him so why should we even believe you and anything you said and yet it doesn't happen
1: yep i'm i'm with you on this it's The idea here is, look, Gary and I aren't claiming to have all the answers, but we are definitely saying when someone in authority tells you, hey, I need you to do this, and it involves in any way, shape or form surrender of your God-given rights, you should really think twice and you should be willing to ask questions and and maybe even, uh, I don't know, not only tell them no, but say hell no. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. Now there was a, there was another topic that came up in the wake of the shooting at a Boulder, Colorado, uh, supermarket uh, last week, and that is you know of course uh, gun control has kind of been a. Uh, 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 pet favorite project for uh, people within the government, particularly Democrats within government positions. This was a prime opportunity and they wasted no time in uh, waving the bloody shirt and, and, uh, you know, pushing for greater gun controls. There were threats. It's going to happen by executive action. Something you pointed out to me is that uh, among these pushes for more regulation and gun registration, there's also a push To give the FBI the authority to determine who can and who cannot own a gun. Tell me how that works.
2: So the argument is, is that, you know, the FBI is not political. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's so that's the premise is like, oh, don't worry. You know, we want the FBI to do this because they are not political. They're just going to look at it from a criminal and from a judicial point of view of whether or not you should own a gun if you're the right kind of person to own the gun. And they're good. We we can trust the FBI to be the people to tell us whether or not we can have a gun. And, they, and they're all too happy to put that authority into the FBI. This one organization will basically Run and determine which which Americans can have guns and which of them cannot, and we're just going to have to trust them. That one's a big one. I I think that's a really big leap for them.
1: Well, and I I'm looking at an article right now. This is from Ammoland dot com, where uh, Gun Owners of America did a Freedom of Information Act request. And they have found a document that shows that people who haven't committed a crime that would make them a that that, uh, would make them a prohibited person can still be put on the prohibited list by the FBI's National Instant Criminal Background Check system, the NICS system. So basically what it says is anyone with a warrant for arrest is considered to be a prohibited person. And the person doesn't even have to be aware that a judge issued a warrant for their arrest. I'll give you an example of what this might look like. Um, I had a friend who was a nurse and she was driving her car one day, got pulled over for something very minor. I think, you know, she had a, a turn signal out or something like that. She went to jail that day. She had no idea that a warrant had been issued for her arrest. And it was something about um, her her registration or her license. Maybe it was her driver's license had had been mistakenly suspended, but uh, she hadn't got word that uh, that this had happened. Bottom line is there was a warrant out for her arrest. She had no idea that this was going on. I mean, she's just going about living her life and, you know, being a nurse. And suddenly she's in handcuffs and on her way to jail. So it's not like, oh, well, these people are all John Dillinger and they're all fugitives from the law. It's more like this is a technicality. But and I know the FBI is all non-political and what have you, but something in me says they would be creating even more technicalities. We'll pick this up just the other side of our break. Please stay with us.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde
1: Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Gary Welch is my guest. And we are covering a number of different things here. Uh, Gary, your thoughts on the push for gun control um I, I totally agree with you by the way on the idea that the FBI is far from a non-political or apolitical kind of organization but I'm I'm having trouble with the idea of any government agency whatsoever you know claiming unto itself the power to determine you may own a firearm you may not and yet it uh, seems like there are a lot of people willing to go along with it and
2: it's the fear factor once again of uh, you 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 dramatize and you make these shootings Really much bigger. And I, I talk a lot about this about like riots. You know, you have a riot and they say, well, there were 2,000 people at this riot. Well, that's in New York City. In a city that has millions and millions of people, what does 2,000 mean? It doesn't mean the whole city's in riot. It doesn't mean that everybody in the city agrees with the rioters. It just means a bunch of people or some people showed up, a small, small minority showed up. And it's the same with these shootings. And You know, there has always been people who will kill other people there. There are a very, very small minority of individuals out there, but they're always there. And when you live in a country of three hundred and fifty million people, we are going to have people who are insane or obviously they're insane. I think anytime you go out and you're doing a mass shooting, there is something mentally wrong with you. But the problem is, is we now have this ability to to really expound it. And I always call, you know, talk about the fish lens of, of news media and it makes things look bigger than what they really are. It makes things look larger than what they are or worse than what they really are. And, and as, as I was pointing out to you, this thing that there have been mass murderers around since since civilization, you can just go back and look at it. It's, it's pretty easy. Uh, I I like to point out the Wikipedia article, look up list of serial killers before 1900 in Wikipedia. And what you're going to do is you're going to run through a list where there have been people out there that have killed a lot, a lot of people that you never knew about, you never heard about. And yet it happened. We, we, they're using this for an agenda. And it's not like, well, it's worse now than it was then.
1: No, it's not. No, I'm I'm with you there. Um, You know, I I maintain that the people who get most upset about gun control are the people who intend to obey whatever, you know, words a politician puts on paper. But but it definitely feels like we are being steered towards some kind of a collision. And I don't know if that's going to come courtesy of the Supreme Court agreeing to hear a a particular case. Um, I'm. I'm kind of suspicious of the Supreme Court and you and I oh yeah uh, we, we talk about the Supreme Court there's we have another podcast called the court interpreters and and it's it's interesting how many times in the past the Supreme Court has been wrong on on certain issues uh, you know Dred Scott being being one of those cases but uh, people sure put a lot of faith in them And I think the most recent case I've heard, which undermines my faith in uh, the Supreme Court as an actual guardian of the people's rights, as opposed to an enabler of politicians, was uh, they refused to hear a case that would have compelled Hillary Clinton to testify about her uh, wayward email servers. And, you know, I, I don't know what the conspiracy is that's built around that. The fact that they refused, though, tells me that there's a problem. And it seems like running cover for politicians is apparently part of the job description of being a Supreme Court justice these days. They, they're much more supportive of the system than they are of the principles on which the system was based, which would include things like liberty, justice, etc.
2: Well, the cool thing about our government was it was built just on that concept. The idea is the less people that are involved that have the power and authority to make decisions and have control, the worse you're at. So one man, a president, doing things and making and having control of your life is the worst. That's the absolute worst. Having just nine people is not that much better. They, they did not look at that as like, oh, well, that's that's a lot better. They saw that. And when they they designed the Constitution, it was designed as, yeah, there's these nine, well, a certain amount of judges that you would have. It was less, less than. But still, the idea was because there's less people involved, we're going to give them less power. And then you put in a Congress where there were more people and they said, okay, we're going to give you more power. And then they even took it one step further and said, okay, what we'll really do is give the power to the states because that's where the most people are at. It was that idea of diffusion of power is where you find find the best results. And yeah, I, the Supreme Court, whether it's the president or the Supreme Court, I'm still saying that eh, that's not enough people to really control my life, you know, that I want that kind of, of, of authority over my life. I don't trust it. I don't trust any system that believes in that.
1: By the way, that breaking up and distribution of power uh, amongst the states Right now, that's playing out before us in real time in the the form of these states that have lifted the pandemic mandates versus those that have not. And you can see which states you would rather be in. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not trying to tell anybody their business, but given the choice between living under California's very stringent guidelines or South Dakota's less stringent guidelines, I can tell you where I would be going. And you have that ability to vote with your feet if necessary and and to relocate to a place that is more free if that suits you although i'm kind I've of, been arguing go ahead go ahead i was going to say I, I was just <laughs> i was I, I, i'm surprised how many people like that sense of being told what to do that's the part that discourages me anyway you were saying
2: that i even have been arguing for that diffusion. Uh, When everybody's talking about like, I don't like this. So you and I are sitting here, we're talking about COVID. We're talking about gun control. We're talking about all this manipulation that they are having on our lives and the control they're trying to maintain. The solution to this is not to try to change your federal government. That's not going to work. And yet that's the approach we always take. Let's start at the top and see if we can work it down. My argument has always been we need to start at the bottom and work up. Let's start doing the nullification. Let's start doing the we're not going to do what you tell us to do at the local level and move it into the states, because really that's how our country's designed.
1: Yep. We just seem to have forgotten somewhere along the way. Now, as far as uh, what the states are doing, I don't know if you have you seen. um, Have you seen anything from the border down there by Texas? Have you have you seen any of the footage? Um, Senator Ted Cruz was down there riding along with the Border Patrol for several days. H- have you seen any of the footage of this?
2: I've seen the footage, too, from um, I can't remember the name of the of the congressman, but that he went into the, the facilities where they're trying to manage the 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 overgrowth and it's overflowing and all that and those conditions. And he's been saying, look, this is what's happening because it's It's overwhelming. Everything that we had in place. I mean, it's a true surge. It's its like a surge of water. It's going over the walls and starting to break through.
1: Help me understand. Why is that surge taking place? I mean, the, the simple part of my brain wants to think, well, because uh, President Biden rolled out the welcome mat and told him, if you come, there will be no consequences. Could it really be that simple?
2: Yes. And in a way, yes. So, you know, when you're when you are on that other side of the border and you you want to get into the U.S., you want to come in. You don't want to go through the process of illegal immigration. You want to uh, take advantage of of being able to to go through a porous border. But at the time that you have a president and a government that is making it hard on you, that's going to tell you that if you do, even if you are successful, we're just going to grab you and, and send you back. Those are discouraging things to say, yeah, you know what, maybe it's not worth it because it is dangerous. I, I, I feel very much for those folks who are trying to get across the border. It's a dangerous endeavor. And you would sit there and say, well, maybe I don't want to do it because the odds of success are not going to be that great. But when you do get someone who says, yeah, we'll let you go if we do catch you. And most likely, we're not going to do anything even when you do come across. Then you say, "Okay, now the risk is worth it. And that's what we see. We're seeing basically people saying, yeah, I think now I can I can be successful at my endeavor to illegally cross the border and, and get into the United States.
1: Well, all I know is what I saw from Senator Cruz. Um, You know, I I'm still more of an open borders advocate just because I don't like a a government that acts like like North Korea. I don't like a government that acts like, you know, they're they're building the Berlin Wall. But uh, there is no denying there are a ton of people cooped up in close proximity. I don't know how that could be seen as as healthy. And yet uh, it seems like the media our our friends, you know, our truth tellers. Uh, are downplaying this with every ounce of of their being, and they don 't really want people to see what 's going on and what 's being done and so i 'm trying to, to sort out why would they want to do that let 's pick that up the other side of our break. Gary Welch is my guest, and we will be back right after these messages.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
1: And we are back. Gary Welch is my guest. We have covered a lot of territory. There's a lot that we still have yet to cover. But, uh, Gary, I don't want to... uh, I don't want to leave without uh, taking some time to talk about the for the people act. And for those who aren't familiar with it, how would you describe this to them? It sounds very noble. Oh, for the people. Why? That must be a good thing. Anything that's for the people must be very worthy and worthwhile. Pray tell, what will this act accomplish?
2: So the old rule of the better the name of the act that they're doing, the, the most damage it's going to cause applies to this act. It is absolutely not for the people. It is going to be for the politicians act. That's truly what this is all about. But they're disguising this idea of they want to create more accessibility for voting and create more, you know, give more opportunity for voting as a way of promoting basically the ability to have voter fraud. They got away with it in 2020. So why not? Why not? Why not expand it and do it more and create these these regulations and laws, which, by the way, they're really not supposed to, um, in order to perpetuate that fraud even more.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I don't... Uh... I have no confidence that what happened with the election last year was on the up and up, and it's not because I have proof. I have not handled the evidence. I haven't counted the ballots. I haven't, you know, uh, gone through a, a Dominion voting machine or anything like that. But the fact that there are people who would tell me that you and I, Gary, cannot be talking about this and we should not question. In fact, if you want to work here, you need to sign this this loyalty oath or this pledge that I completely agree with the election and everything was on the up and up. That seems like a lot of work. If the truth really is that, no, nothing happened out of the ordinary. Usually the truth doesn't need that much shoring up, I guess is what I'm saying.
2: If they were willing to take a good objective look at the elections, I would be more apt to to uh, go with this um, because I don't think the data would play out. But that this whole thing of we don't want to look at the information. We don't want to look at the data. We don't want to look at the accusations are being made. When I see that, that tells me then then they know what's going on and they don't want to they don't want us to see things, and so that that creates that you have an ulterior motive for what you're trying to do, and you know I would that that's the biggest thing that I've been asking about the, the elections is just simply I don't care I don't care that Biden won or, or Trump you know I'm not going to go push that agenda. All I want is for somebody to sit there and say, what happened? How did this happen? And is there a case where we have votes that are not from real people who are eligible to vote in that state casting votes? And this has been something actually we talked about this before. This is not a new fight. I know people who have been fighting this since at least 2016 that they first started bringing it up is like, hey, these machines are wrong and proved it in court have been able to show that, and yet nothing happens.
1: Well, this this For the People Act, at least for what it sets out to accomplish, seems an awful lot like nothing was wrong with last year's election, but uh, we're going to go ahead and pass this act, which basically uh, codifies everything that did happen and makes sure that it's perfectly legal so no one can ever question it again. That sounds a little suspicious to me. Especially
2: okay. the the biggest part of it is uh, creating greater voter access and expanding vote by mail. And those are two areas where the biggest issues of voter fraud have occurred. Now, if they would have pushed something else about, well, let's educate people more and let's Let's, let's work really hard and getting people to be get registered and then we'll make sure it's verified, but we'll create this marketing effort to, jo- you know, have everybody registered to vote. And then we'll do a great big marketing effort to get people to come out and vote on election day and entice them and encourage them to vote. And that's like of thing. I get it. All right. I like that. But what they're really pushing is let's just open it up, make it very easy, To vote, and nobody's going to really check things. And that's a big part of it. We don't want people checking you. Nope, 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 nope. Because that's going to discourage you from voting. Which like, why? Why should that help? You know, why should that be a big factor to me if I want to vote? But they're doing that. And then this vote by mail is a big part of what the act is all about. We want to really push that whole agenda of promoting vote by mail. And... Again, those are the two biggest areas where these accusations of voter fraud and the complaints about voter fraud and the actual data is saying that, yes, this thing is going to be very abusive. We're going to see a lot of abuse if we do that. And they are just really ignoring it and saying, yep, we're going to just push forward with it.
1: Well, it seems to me when government stops listening to the people or stops being accountable to the people. They're breaching their side of the contract, which is, you know, look, you're here to represent the people. And, and I don't want to sound like I'm being too radical here. But if they cannot honor their end of the agreement, which is to exercise that limited power in defense of our God given rights. I don't feel so inclined to uh, to hold myself strictly to that agreement, you know, that, that they're, you know, treating like it was nothing. And so I'm I'm going to put less stock in what any politician or bureaucrat is telling me to do simply because, you know, the rules that they're not willing to follow obviously aren't rules that I should be that concerned about either.
2: And that that analogy of a contract really is fitting because we are not enforcing our side of the contract and it can't be just one or two individuals. It, It has to be. The entity, the people in this case, we need to sit there and say, yeah, no, we're not going to allow you to break your contract. That is not what we agreed upon. And there's got to be some penalty for that. As long as there's no penalties for breaking the contract, then obviously they're going to. And the problem is, is if you as an individual just say, well, because you broke the contract, then I could break my side of it. They don't see it that way. They'll still come and arrest you. They'll still take, you know, take action against you because there's not enough enough people to support it and back it up.
1: Okay, so we've got about uh, three minutes left here. Let's talk some solutions. I think we've we've outlined the problems pretty clearly. Now let's talk about some of the things that we can and should be doing in response to this. And and by the way, my ignoring the laws or ignoring the rules probably not the best solution. I just say that cuz that's that's kind of how how I'm feeling these days about my confidence in government. Let's talk talk about something productive. What can we be doing?
2: No, Brian, you're actually right though. That's the thing is if the, if if the rules are not part of the contract, you know, if if they come in and they start making demands upon us, that we never agreed to, we should be ignoring them. We should be saying, no, we're not going to do that. And we should be pushing back on that. The question is, how do we do that? How do we do the pushback? And and as I brought up several times, and I'm bringing it up again, the, you you don't have to go to the top to push back. You can start pushing back at your level at your local level. But there should be this whole thing. I really love the word nullification. I do. I'm a big fan of it. And I, I do and I believe that nullification is a way of saying you have not honored the contract, therefore it's null and void, and we are able to then take action on our own to fight back. But the question is how, not what, but how?
1: So so what would you say is a good first step? Let's just assume there's somebody listening who's going, you know what, you guys are right. I've been thinking I need to be doing more, but I don't know where to begin. I admit it's overwhelming thinking, you know, there's a lot to, that needs to be fixed. What's a good logical first step for someone who wants to to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem?
2: I have been arguing for just people forming things in their local communities. But one of the things that I thought about since the last time we spoke was, you know what? We need more voices. I really do feel we need more people who do have a voice shows like yourself, you know, others who, who think like you, who have that platform, they really need to start pushing this message that, that we are talking about.
1: Okay, and the message is not just one for Republicans and it's not just for libertarians or just for conservatives. Um, I think I'd like to think our message is something that applies to everybody, and that is a message of freedom. And there's there's a very serious breakdown right now in people who understand, you know, what the principles and practices are that freedom is is founded on. And and that it can't you can't have it if you're not willing to pay the price to be a free people, which means self-control, which means. You know, not trying to solve everything with a new law. Gary, I appreciate you sharing some of your time and wisdom with us this week. Let's get back together next Tuesday and see what else we can fix.
2: Absolutely looking forward to it.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show.